By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. William Shakespeare. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back to another Coffee Talk podcast episode. For today, we are carrying on with our October-themed episodes, and today we're talking serial killers. I've been looking forward to this episode for so long, solely because I'm actually obsessed with true crime, okay? It's one of those things that ever since I was little, my family always used to watch Dateline, Real Life Mysteries, 48 Hours, Real Life Mysteries, like all of those just true crime shows every Friday night, just big bags of Lay's chips and two liter bottles of pop and just sitting down and watching all this creepy serial killer stuff. So I have dipped into this pool many a time before. There's also this other podcast that I used to be obsessed with all the time too called Serial Killers. So I <laughs> I know my fair share of a few of the serial killer stories. And today I'm going to be wrapping up my top 10 favorite serial killer stories. I don't know. That, that was kind of morbid to say that they're my favorite, but I guess my top 10 in terms of ones that kind of spooked me out the most and talking about them with you guys, because what else would be a spooky Halloween thing to do? I've been holding off on doing the serial killer episode for so long, solely because this one was probably going to be my favorite. Although the witchy one from last week ended up being way cooler than I anticipated. I didn't realize how witchy I was. But that said, when it comes to serial killers, this is something that I've been into for a while. I've always kind of been interested in true crime. I don't even know how to breach these topics in a way, because... Part of me is like, oh, serial killers, so entertaining, so amusing. But at the same time, I'm like, serial killers, these are people's lives that were lost. These are people that were truly killed by these sadistic people. So just know that when I'm telling you guys how creeped out I am by these stories, or if I tend to crack a laugh or crack a joke, odds are it's solely because one, I'm uncomfortable by how morbid and how disgusted I am by these serial killers. But also two, I'm just probably trying to make light of the situation and by no means mean it in any disrespect. Way. That said, let's jump on in to the top 10 serial killer stories that have creeped me out in my entire life. So the first one is about a guy named John Wayne Gacy. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard of him before, but he was notorious for being known as Pogo the Clown. He was a truly a clown that you could hire for birthday parties or, you know, for any kind of event like that, he would be hired on and he was dressed up like a clown. He was terrifying. Like, I'm talking not even a cool or happy looking clown. I'm talking like full face, creepy triangles of blue over the eyes, like wore the gloves, wore the hat, and was just this like big, giant, overweight, jolly looking dude, but really, really creepy looking. And he, in the span of 1972 and 1978, was known to kill over 33 boys. Disgusting, right? This one got to me solely because, I mean, the way that he killed all the boys is absolutely horrific and disturbing, but just on top of it all, to know that he was a clown, I feel like that is probably one of my biggest fears. I've had nightmares before where I'm being chased by clowns, like evil clowns, or I'm being killed or stabbed by clowns. And so this one is one of my top 10 creepiest serial killers that I know of solely for that reason, because I feel like even just talking about it today, I'm going to trigger my clown nightmares back into existence. If you guys get a chance, Google John Wayne Gacy and look at the clown photo of what he actually truly looked like, and you're not going to sleep for the rest of this week. 
So number nine is the notorious, and many of you guys will probably already know this name, Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, he was known for being a cannibal, a.k.a. somebody that not only was a serial killer, but would also eat his victim's flesh. He used to dissolve human bodies in hydrochloric acid, and in 1991, when the police actually invaded and raided his house, authorities were taking out things like body parts and dismembered corpses and just big giant blue barrels where he would use the hydrochloric acid to basically melt and dissolve these bodies. He was a seriously messed up dude. He was known to have 17 brutal killings and not one is any less gruesome than the next. So Jeffrey Dahmer would usually lure men and little boys to his apartment back in Milwaukee by promising money for nude photos or for sex or even just both. And then once there, he would try and get them drunk or just drug them in general and wait until they passed out before he would obviously trigger his serial killer tendencies. There was actually one boy who almost got away. He had broken out of Dahmer's apartment and was running down the streets, bloodied and wearing no clothes, and then three women found him. They called the police, and when the police showed up, Dahmer had actually convinced them that they were in love, like him and this little boy were just young lovers or that he was his young lover. And the police ended up escorting them back to Dahmer's apartment. And not only that, on top of it all, he showed the police the naked photos he had of the boy to prove their relationship come to find out that this boy is actually one of the 17 victims that ended up dying. So they say Jeffrey Dahmer was neglected as a child, which may have been what contributed to him becoming the way that he was. His father was never around because he was a chemist and working, and his mother became severely depressed by the lack of attention from his father. So as a child with that neglection, no one really seemed to notice that he was kind of always obsessed with dead things. He used to collect roadkill and keep like carcasses and jars after dismembering them, and just a lot of early, early telltale signs that Jeffrey Dahmer was going to be a serial killer. Not to mention with the fact that his father was a chemist, his father actually unknowingly taught him how to preserve his victims. How disturbing is that? If you were to find out that you unknowingly taught your child who grew up to be a serial killer how to preserve the body of their victims. Oh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Not to mention that his neighbors were also constantly complaining of strange smells and sounds coming from his apartment. So there were multiple times that Jeffrey Dahmer could have been caught, you know, like when that boy ran out and the cops brought them back or even just from his neighbors hearing weird things and smelling weird things. But yet he still got away with it for a number of years before he was finally caught. He ended up being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and a psychotic disorder, but he wasn't allowed to plead insanity, saying that he had been fully aware of what he was doing when he had done all of it. I think the thing that creeps me out the most about serial killers too is if you ever watch interviews of them or if you ever see like their responses or just the way they interact with other humans, it's such a weird, uh, creepy feeling to watch. And there's actually an interview of Jeffrey Dahmer when he did an interview with CNN. And apparently he would tell the guards at the prison that he bites just to try and get a reaction out of them, you know, just to see how uncomfortable he could make people. Things like that are what trip me out about serial killers is that they almost have this like secret sinisterness to them that's just eerie. 
Which, speaking of eerie, next up on the list is Ted Bundy. So this is another notorious American serial killer. He was also known to practice cannibalism, i.e. eating the flesh of his victims, as well as being known for being a necrophile, meaning that he would not only eat the flesh of dead bodies, but also have sex with them. He used to keep souvenirs from all of the different people he killed, including body parts. And I think that that is also one of the things that creeped me out the most about Ted Bundy, was just knowing knowing that he wanted to keep this prized possession, this little thing as a souvenir of the killing. And that is almost like giving himself some sort of reward for it. It's such a weird, creepy thing to think about. When he was asked why he kept these sort of tokens from these killings, his response was, when you work hard to do something right, you don't want to forget it. Oh, gross, 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 gross. There's something seriously messed up about that. The other thing that was super creepy about Ted Bundy is that he would treat murder like a sport, meaning that he would actually train for these killing sprees that he would go on. You know how people go out and they train for hunting? He would truly go out and train to hunt humans. He would go to bars and such just to pick women up to practice his skills, to practice luring women in, which is another just whole other element of creepy to him. He was even known to impersonate authority figures to try and gain women's trust. He was known to pretend to be a police officer or a firefighter or anything that would get any woman around him to feel like they were safe, that they were around somebody who was there to protect them. And in fact, he was just tricking them and luring them in so that he could, you know, kill them. He also used to keep a stash of like casts and slings and crutches and such at his home for the times that he wasn't pretending to be a police officer and a firefighter. Instead, he would pretend to be sick or harmed or injured or whatever it was to then try and gain sympathy from his victims. He was a seriously messed up dude. The things and ways that that he put in thought and planning into his killings is so sadistic, it's messed up. He was known to have confessed to 36 murders by the time he was executed, but that said, there's a ton of speculation that it could have been up to as many as 100 people. So if that all doesn't seem creepy enough to you, then the next two murderers are definitely going to be. They're known as Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka. The creepier thing about Paul Bernardo and Carla Homoka, they were both kept in the prison of my hometown. So this was like a big killer that I knew about growing up solely because he was staying in the city that I grew up in. And so he was a known Canadian serial killer and their first victim was Carla's own little sister. So Carla Homoka and Paul Bernardo used to team up together like a duo and they would lure little girls and women in and kill them. But they started with her sister, Sammy. That was the first girl that they ever raped and killed. And not only that, they actually filmed all of it, which is even more messed up. So Paul and Carla were known as the Ken and Barbie killers because they were so just not the type of people you would have ever guessed to be serial killers. They were picture perfect. They got married. They were young. They were beautiful. They just lived this quiet life in their house in Scarborough. And no one would have ever guessed the dark, dark secrets that they were hiding. Even more messed up, they got married two weeks after one of their killings. It was almost like they did it to thrive off of each other. It was super messed up. They ended up killing this girl named Mafi and were married two weeks later on June 29th, 1991 in an extravagant ceremony by Niagara Falls, which is also super close to here, Toronto. It was actually on the same day of their wedding that Mafi's body was found. So before Paul had ever even gotten into becoming 
becoming a serial killer, he was priorly a serial rapist. He was known as the Scarborough Rapist and had been attacking and raping girls in the middle of the night with up to 13 women and teenage girls known to be victims of his attacks. What's crazy is there's a lot of controversy over whether or not Homoka, Carla, his wife, was the one that started triggering the kills or if she was the one that was actually you know, behind the whole thing. Obviously, Paul was already a super messed up guy having been a serial rapist prior to, but his first killing wasn't until him and Carla had gotten together, that first killing being her little sister. But what's even more messed up is by the end of it, Carla Hamoka actually made a deal with prosecutors. By giving away Paul, she got off way more scot-free. The agreement, which was later called the deal with the devil, allowed her to plead guilty to manslaughter and receive only 12 years in prison in exchange of agreeing to testify against Paul. She tried to say that she was being abused by Paul, that, you know, he had been violent and psychologically abusive to her and that he had forced her into doing all of these things. But if you do the right kind of research, my personal opinion of it all seems like she was just as bad, if not worse than Paul was himself. There are a bunch of videotapes of the actual killings themselves. And even though they were not allowed to be used against Carla, in the videotapes and the people that had seen the videotapes, a lot of people had said that she seemed just as much willing to be a participant in the killings and the raping of all of these girls. Carla Hamoka got out in July 2005, moved to the Caribbean, got remarried and had children, and then moved back to Canada. So she's just off scot-free now, off living just a completely different life under a whole new identity. And that is what makes this one so creepy. So hopefully you guys aren't too spooked because we're only just getting started. Those are the top five of the 10 stories I'm going to tell you guys today with my next five spookiest serial killers coming right after a message from the brands that brought you guys today's Coffee Talk podcast episode. So aside from when Coffee Talk podcasts are October infused, most of the time we tend to talk a lot more about lifestyle, mental health, stress, goal setting, and all of that fun stuff. A lot of you guys know I've been super into meditating for quite some time now. I find it helps a lot with my stress levels and my anxiety, and that's why I'm excited to tell you guys that I've partnered up with Calm, the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. Calm gives you the tools that you need to live a happier, healthier, and a more mindful life. With just five minutes of Calm, you can change your entire day. If you guys head to calm.com slash coffee talk, you're going to get 25% off the Calm premium subscription, and this includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, anxiety, stress, focus, relationships, and with a brand new meditation each day called the Daily Calm. You're also going to get sleep stories, which are like bedtime stories for grown-ups, and a ton more. So for a limited time, my Coffee Talk listeners are going to get 25% off the premium Calm subscription at calm.com slash coffee talk. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content. So get started today at calm.com slash coffee talk. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash C-O-F-F-E-E-T-A-L-K. So lately I've been trying to take extra care of my skin, especially now that we're rolling into the winter months when my skin tends to, you know, act out, get dry. Our face is our first impression that we give people, so we might as well treat it well. And doing so includes using products that are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free, like BioClarity. BioClarity is both clean and green, and it helps me retain naturally glowing skin. It has this new ingredient called Floralux, which is a clever chlorophyll that nourishes the skin, soothing away blemishes, reducing redness, and making 
your skin look way more radiant. My favorite thing about BioClarity is how much it helped with the redness under my skin. I tend to have a lot of red and rashy skin, especially coming into the colder months, and it helps get rid of that redness right away and even out the tone and complexion of my skin. If you're wondering what kind of BioClarity skin routine you could use, this is mine. I start off with BioClarity's powerful plant-based products and use their Essentials routine, which is known for normal to dry skin. Infused with hydrating plant extracts like Floralux, Chamomile, Green Tea, Cucumber, Licorice Root, Argan, olive, and shea. The Essentials Routine cleanses, restores, and hydrates your skin, softening it, minimizing redness, and reducing your pore size, while also evening out the skin tone and your texture. They also have amazing masks, like the Clarifying Mask. It's like a superfood mask for your face. It'll help you purify and perfect your tone while tightening and smoothing out your skin, all the while helping to even out your skin tone, texture, and shrink the appearance of all of those little pores. And now, you can also treat your whole body with BioClarity with some of their newer products. For instance, Sudsy. This plant packed gentle foaming body wash will help you achieve the silkier smoother skin that you've been wanting all over your body so if you're looking to perfect your skin before the new year then definitely go to bioclarity.com all of my listeners are going to get 15 percent off their entire first purchase plus shipping is free when you buy a routine and it comes with a 100 percent risk free money back guarantee but you need to enter my code talk that's bioclarity.com and enter my code talk So bringing it on back down to the serial killer list that is going to give us all nightmares tonight. Next up on the list, we have Pedro Lopez. Now, Pedro Lopez was known for being a serial killer in Colombia, Peru, and Ecuador. It is believed that he has killed over 300 people in total, which is super creepy. But the creepier part is that despite that many crimes, he was somehow released in 1998 and his current whereabouts today are unknown. I think that's what makes Pedro Lopez one of the creepiest serial killers I've ever heard of. What's even creepier is when he was finally confronted by police, he not only confessed to all of the killings that he did, but he remembered them all in vivid detail. Now that's over 300 people that he had killed that he could recall in perfect detail. He never seemed to show any remorse for his crimes. In a prison interview he did, he said that if he ever got out of prison, he would happily return to killing young children again. The pleasure he received from the demented acts of murder overpowered any sense of right from wrong, and he admittedly looked forward to the opportunity to wrap his hands around the throat of his next child. Yet, despite this, after 20 years of solitary confinement, in the summer of 1998, it was said that he was let out in the middle of the night at the Colombian border and released. Whatever happened to him from there is still completely unknown, making Pedro Lopez one of the creepiest serial killers. Whether or not the fact that he's 70, just the fact that he's out there or could still be out there somewhere puts him up on my top 10 spooky serial killers list. So, if your stomach isn't turning yet, then I have an even worse one to tell you guys about. The Human Dracula. The Human Dracula, known as Vampire of Sacramento, or known as Richard Trenton Chase, began drinking the blood of small animals like rabbits and birds, sometimes blending their organs with Coca-Cola to make a tasty, disturbing concoction. After he was released from a mental institute, Chase moved on to human targets. He engaged in both necrophilia and cannibalism with his victims, often dismembering them and then drinking their blood. Over the course of one month in 1977, Chase killed six people in California and was caught when he murdered an entire family in 1979. So Richard was actually known for being a hypochondriac, and one of the things that he used to do was inject animal blood into his veins, thinking that it was going to help him cure various diseases from his blood. He had just like this weird obsession 
obsession with blood of animals, blood of humans. And that's why, despite being the fact that he chose his victims at random, all he truly cared about was the killing and the drinking of their blood. One of his victims, David Wallen, came home to find his pregnant wife dead, partially eaten, and haven't had her blood drink. He had not only killed her, but used a yogurt cup to drink her blood. As disgusting. Like, I just... I didn't think it could get any worse. Oh, but it does, because after he drank her blood from a yogurt cup, he literally bathed in it. When it boiled down to it, his number one motive was always blood and flesh, because he actually believed that in drinking it and in eating it, it was keeping him alive. He eventually moved on from animal flesh to human flesh before finally being caught and sentenced to death. Though, like I said, he never fully got to see that death because he decided to take his own life instead. Oh, that's creepy. I can't even imagine... Like, you think that, obviously, vampires and Dracula and all of that is just this spooky Halloween concept or character that we had all created, but to know that there was an actual serial killer that would drink the blood of his victims, I feel so bad. Could you imagine coming home and finding your pregnant wife just done, and not only just gone, but to have had her attacked by someone known as a vampire? No, like that is, that is not the Twilight fantasy I used to have back in high school, that's for sure. Which, speaking of Twilight, or Edward Cullen per se, the next serial killer we're going to talk about is Charles Edmund Cullen. He was known as being the angel of death, aka he was a nurse that used to kill people with medicine practice. Again, is that not just one of the most terrifying things you've ever heard? Like, you go to a doctor, you go to a hospital, you assume these people are going to take care of you. You put your trust into these people. And to know that he had killed at least 40 people, but with the estimate of it being close to 300 is severely disturbing. Having committed the first one on June 11th, 1988, he was working as a nurse in St. Barnabas Medical Center of Livingston, New Jersey. The first victim was John Yengo Sr., a former municipal court judge known for giving convicted criminals really tough sentences. Cullen killed Yengo by injecting the 17-year-old who was being treated for allergies with a lethal dose of insulin. Then from there, over the course of the next 15 years, Cullen killed many, many more victims. So some of his victims, he he actually targeted, but many of them were also just random, and he would just spike their IV bags with lethal doses of medicine so that these people would die. This was happening in both New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So the hospital started to catch on, and they ended up doing this investigation within the hospital, and they ended up actually identifying that it was Cullen that was doing this to all of their patients. Yet, instead of actually contacting authorities and firing him, the hospital actually allowed him to just move to a different hospital where he continued to kill more people. So this is another one of those serial killers that could have been stopped, but somehow found a way to move or weasel his way through and continue his killings. Not only that, the other sadistic thing about this guy is that he was known to have abused his little mini Yorkshire Terriers. Of course, it's terrible that he would have killed anyone at all. But then on top of that, like, I'm looking at a little picture of these little Yorkies right now, guys. And oh, like, I just don't understand. I, I truly, I think that's what it is that gets us all so hooked into serial killers and so curious is that it's so hard to believe that a human being could be so murderous and malicious towards any living thing, whether it be a little Yorkshire Terrier, a little kid, or even just a grown adult. He had even been fired from multiple hospitals, not even just the first one, before finally becoming caught and sentenced to jail. If there was any good things that did come out of this killer nurse story, after he was 
convicted of killing 29 people and being sent to New Jersey State Prison in Trenton, New Jersey, multiple state laws were changed. New Jersey ended up passing a Patient Safety Act, which led to the creation of a confidentiality report system that allows healthcare facilities to report adverse events and associated root cause analyses to the DOH. Now, I don't fully know what that means, but all I know is that means after he had been sentenced, they decided to make it easier for hospitals to report these types of killings rather than feeling like they didn't know what to do and just fired him or let him move to a different hospital. The fact that he had been able to continuously find jobs at other hospitals is exactly what the problem was, especially since former employees were afraid to share negative details about him with other facilities. Consequently, more than 30 states passed laws to protect employers who offer truthful but potentially harmful information about former employees. So yes, the fact that he was a nurse and he would use his powers within the hospital to kill people is severely creepy. But there is a tiny sliver of a silver lining in this story, knowing that these deaths or his malicious behaviors resulted in at least, at the very, very least, some changes in the laws when it comes to hiring on serial killers at hospitals. Now, seeing as all of the different serial killers we've talked about today are all horrible ways to die. This next one is even more gruesome. It's the New Orleans Axeman. He was an American serial killer that was active in the greater New Orleans area between 1918 and 1919. The majority of the murderer's victims were from the Italian immigrant community and were killed with an axe that belonged to them. He would actually access his victims' homes by removing a panel off their back door, enter their house, and then murder them with their own axe. He was known to have attacked and killed 12 people in total, most of whom were women. On top of that, in March of 1919, the unidentified killer sent in a deranged letter from hell, where he described himself as invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. In the letter, he stated both the date and times of his next planned murder and suggested that the only way to stop him was to play jazz music. This guy was seriously twisted. In response, the entire city filled its buildings and streets with live jazz music so that nobody ended up being murdered. And the messed up thing is that nobody actually was. Every night that they played jazz, he wouldn't kill anyone. Could you imagine? You wake up one morning, you go and you grab your daily morning paper, you're sitting down to have a cup of coffee, and you read in the paper that if you're not going to play jazz music in your house tonight, there's a pretty good chance that you and your family could be murdered with your own axe. I mean, as creepy as it sounds, I would end up playing jazz music all night. I would play whatever music I had to if it meant that it was going to keep any serial killer away from my house. That said, he actually ended up striking three more times before all of his activity eventually just ceased. And to this day, nobody really knows exactly who he was. Just that he was a sick, sadistic Axeman killer that really had a good taste for jazz music. Super creepy. That idea always spooks me out too. The fact that there's still serial killers out there that are unidentified ones that got away with it, ones that ended up roaming the streets long after they had killed, maliciously killed, mind you, people, just people, everyday people like you and I. And the creepier thought of the ones that are out there walking the streets right now. Oh, mm, why did I go there? I don't want to think about that. The thing is, though, is just because a mass majority of serial killers are male doesn't mean that there aren't any that are female. I vividly remember the first time I heard about Eileen. I, I, I always mess up her last name, but it's like War, Warnos? Wernos? 
She was the first ever female serial killer story I had ever heard, and it fascinated me because it's weird to think of a female being a serial killer, not to be sexist in any way, but you just normally only ever hear about male serial killers. So Eileen, she was born in 1956, but she was known to have killed seven men in Florida between the years of 1989 and 1990, aka one year. So Eileen was known to have a pretty rough upbringing, and the way that she ended up killing her victims is she would lure them in. She was known to have worked as a prostitute. She would not only rob them, but she would also shoot them at point-blank range. And she ended up getting caught because she was driving, okay, get this, driving one of the cars of the victims of one of the people she killed. So she kills this guy, is driving around in his car, Ends up getting into a minor traffic accident and police show up and then they catch her and they're like, what are you doing in this car? And she ends up admitting to these killings that she's been doing. But then on top of that, says that it was in self-defense. Mind you, the police caught on and knew that it was not the case. And she ended up getting sentenced to six out of the seven murders. Goes to show you that serial killers come in all shapes, genders, and sizes. And last but not least, we cannot do a serial killer episode without talking about Jack the Ripper. From August 7th, to September 10th in 1888, Jack the Ripper terrorized the Whitechapel District in London's East End. He killed at least five prostitutes and mutilated their bodies in an unusual manner, indicating that the killer had a knowledge of the human anatomy. There was a lot of rumors that Jack the Ripper could have been a doctor or a surgeon, but nobody actually ever really knows because he was never caught. This was also back in the day when print became super popular. So not only was Jack the Ripper one of the first known serial killers, odds are there was probably a lot other ones, but he was the first one to make headlines. He was the first one to make true crime, true crime, where people would grab their newspapers and, you know, tune in to what was going on and keep up to date with the story of what was going on with Jack the Ripper. And this is also how his name became so famous. There was this letter that was apparently written into police, but I mean, the authenticity of this letter has been extremely debated. People aren't sure if it was actually him that wrote it in or if it was just someone that idolized this whole storyline and was writing it in because, like I said, newspapers were just becoming a hot thing at the time. But that is where he got his name, Jack the Ripper, and that is where the notoriety of this whole story became famous. There's tons of theories about who Jack the Ripper could be, one even being that it might have been a woman. But like I mentioned, he was never fully discovered, so no one will ever know. The other creepy thing about Jack is that when he committed his murders, he left no evidence. There were no eyewitnesses to his crimes, the only thing having left behind being the dead bodies. Which is creepy to think that even back in 1888, someone could be that meticulous, someone could be that good at killing people and getting away with it. I mean, mind you, they didn't have the tests and things that we do nowadays to catch people, you know, like DNA testing and fingerprint testing and all of this stuff that we have with today's technology and in today's world. But still, to know that he had gotten away with it is a creepy thought. And he's also one of the first to inspire many serial killers that came long after him. Such as the Zodiac Killer, who was a killer from Northern California from the late 1960s to the early 1970s. He was also known to have written in to both authorities and to the press about his killings. But that's another serial killer for potentially another time. So there you guys have it. Those are probably the top 10 serial killer stories that have freaked me out the most. I would have to say the Zodiac Killer is another one I would add to this list, but I ended up making Carla Homoka her own individual person because she probably is one of the ones that creeps me out the most. So... Hopefully you guys are fully creeped out and ready to keep going with all of this October goodness. I'm definitely going to watch some spooky related content tonight. I'm thinking I need to watch like a, a good killer movie now since that's the theme of this week. 
Make sure you guys let me know in the comments whether or not you're into true crime. Did you guys ever do any research on serial killers? If you have, which one has freaked you out the most? I'm curious to know so I can research and freak myself out some more. And aside from that, I hope you guys enjoyed brewing up today's serial killer coffee talk chat. And I'll talk to all of you guys next Monday. Bye, guys. <laughs>